Discussions in this show are for entertainment and educational purposes only and should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and neither SmartPro Financial nor Bridgeway Wealth are affiliated. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Working Wealth Podcast. I'm Patrick. And I'm Haley. And today we're going to be talking about what we believe are three of the most important metrics to track in your financial life. So to clarify, there are a lot. There, you yes. Could track. <laughs> there, yeah. there are definitely a lot of numbers you can track. And, and because of that, you know, we wanted to break it down into really the three things that we look at the most mm-hmm. in our personal life, but also in terms of working with clients. Like what, what have we seen has led to what we consider to be the best results in people's financial lives as they prepare for the future and then also uh, focus on that transition into their ideal you yeah. know, future financial state. That's, as we that's go. a great point. So before we kick it off, though, Haley, do you have any thoughts that you want to share with the class about the metrics? Yeah, I'd say the point is the metrics are a way that you can kind of give yourself a report card hmm. of today. Um, and if you're not necessarily happy with the grade, you can change it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I think it's um, that. That's what I'd say is you know this is a great way to track. Um, I think last night when we were talking about it, it's a barometer, kind yeah. of where you are, and, and you can make changes to to improve it if you want to. Yeah. No, I love that, and and, and really connecting this to the idea that you know in every aspect of life, or at least in our culture, growing up, we're assigned a grade, right? We're, yeah. we're being told like, well, how how well are we doing? What's What's our future look like, you know, based on our current actions? Right. And that's probably one of the most common questions that I get from. And boy, there's a lot of people looking at their returns and everything in this business. But this is right. something that you can kind of also control. Yes. And, and that, yes, that's a great point is we want to focus on the things that we can actually have an impact on. Right. Rather than the things that we cannot control. Right. Because right? you and I both don't know what's going to happen in the markets. Right. Correct. I can, I can tell you this. It'll go up. It'll go down. I can't tell you when and I can't tell you by how much. Right. Yes, but, but to focus on that solely and to not focus on what you got going on in your household yeah. and your budgeting and what you're doing would be a big mistake. Right. Yeah. Because we want to make sure, again, we're, we're focusing on the things we can control and, and, and influence. Right. right? Um, so, so dive in right in, right? When we think about having those metrics, we're giving ourselves a grade or a report card, like mm-hmm. you said. I think this is one of the more common questions I have from people. And part of the reason why a lot of people reach out is just, hey, like, am I on track? Yeah. Like, am it's I okay? It's a great question. Am I going to be okay? I have some clients that email me every six weeks. Are we okay? Yeah, they're just trying to take their temperature. They're trying to take their temperature. Right. Exactly. And, and that's why we wanted to do this episode to break down, hey, like, what are the key things you need to be focused on? And specifically in, in every part of your financial journey, whether you're in the beginning phase or if you're in the ending phase, mm-hmm. um, but things you can be cognizant of as we go forward. Okay, so, so hit us with the three and then tell us what they are. Yeah. So the first one, the one that we think is probably the more important one, is your net worth. Okay. So when we think about net worth, net worth is just a very, very simple calculation of taking everything you own and subtracting out everything you owe to somebody else. So we look at that as saying it's assets minus liabilities, right? Liabilities being Li- debts. 
liabilities being debts. Now, let's take a quick second, though, yeah. and let's define what assets are or the common assets and the common debts, because Correct. I do have those conversations sometimes where people don't realize they have debt or that they have assets. Yeah. Uh, and we need to make sure we understand sure. what that is, right? Okay. And What's an asset? So an asset is something that you own of value. Ideally, it's something that can go up in value to increase your net worth. But a lot of times we have assets that go down in value, right? Okay. So a great example of a, an asset that goes down in value or can go down in value is a depreciating asset would be like your vehicle. Okay, that's what I was thinking. That could be clothes. That could be accessories. That could be household wares, okay. things like that. Now, in all reality, when we calculate a net worth for someone, we're not usually adding those things in. Right. We're looking at like financial assets, bank accounts, retirement accounts, investments, real estate, business values, those okay. kind of things. But the the typical ones that can go up in value would be, you know, your retirement accounts, your investments. If you have a closely held business, uh, meaning it's it's your own small business, if you have your home, if you have investment properties, those kind of things all add positively okay. or should add positively to your net worth. Okay. So what's a liability? So liabilities are anything that you owe to someone else. So very common ones for folks would be your primary mortgage okay. could be a car loan. Yeah, because you own your mortgage. Yeah, because yeah, if you don't have a fully paid off mortgage, you don't own your home. You're a co-owner of your home right. with whatever bank you are financing your That's mortgage right. to. Right? So okay. we need to be very, very careful in understanding that, right? So like credit cards. Credit cards. This would be student, student loans. loans. This Personal would be loans, HELOCs. Personal loans, home equity lines of credit. This would be 401k loans if you've done those. Okay. Payday advances. Medical bills, even though they're 0% interest, okay. they so are part of your liabilities. Take out everything else you owe to everybody and you're right. left with? A total value that is hopefully positive. But it can be negative. <laughs> it can be negative. And it can and that, get better. And it can get better. That's yeah. right. And it should get better, right? Like in our opinion, we should always be working to improve our net worth. There is a little like sub element of that net worth though. We won't get too deep into it, but okay. your liquid net worth versus your total net worth. Liquid net worth would be yes. your okay, accessible net worth. Like great example is we talk with a lot of folks that, you know, they bought their home 35 years ago mm-hmm. and it was very, very inexpensive to buy it. And now it's worth a million dollars and they have a million dollar home, but, but they, they can't have tap it they, because then they'd have to sell their home exactly to be able to gain these resources. Exactly. Okay. You, so if you'd have to do something to liquefy that real asset like that to be able to have the the means to provide for your living needs. That makes like, sense. That, that is a big trap we're seeing with a lot of folks where they have a highly appreciated home that is paid off or is not or it might not be paid off but is typically paid off. Mm-hmm. But they only have four or five hundred thousand dollars saved for retirement. Right. And that's a you know, even though your net worth might be say one and a half million dollars you don't have enough liquidity to provide for your lifelong needs okay. for future. So Got we want to make sure we're thinking about those things too. So net worth so is net worth Liabilities. Assets, Assets minus, minus liabilities. liabilities. Exactly. Got it. Yeah. So the second one we want to track is our burn rate. Okay. So burn rate. This is not the – I think there was a show called Burn Rate back in the day. I don't – or no, Burn Notice is what burn I'm thinking notice. of. It was yeah. a really good show. I don't know. I loved it. I never watched it, but I saw the headlines for it. Okay. Uh, but so your burn rate is how much of our income that's coming in is going towards non-wealth-producing activities. So this is what you spend on food. This is what you spend on your mortgage. This is what you spend on insurance. This is what you spend on clothing, fun activities, experiences, things like that. So the majority of what I'm spending money on. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope not. 
but for a lot of people, <laughs> the categories for, that oh, most of the categories, right? So, okay. so for a lot of people, you're so funny. Their their majority <laughs> of their income is going towards burn burn liquidity, right? Like, yeah. And we call it burn because it it goes away, right? You light it on fire, it goes away. Now you're not literally lighting your income yeah, on fire, eating it, but it's something or wearing it. You're eating it. You're wearing it. You're experiencing it. Things like that. And that's mm-hmm. not to say like we we don't want to say you shouldn't do those things. Obviously, you should. You have to I'm still balance. From you chastising me slightly. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. But you have to have that balance of you know enjoying life today right. while building and preserving generational wealth. Well, right. Yeah. That's and that's part of our, our mission. First episode. That's definitely what we're about. Right. Exactly. Today but and tomorrow. But the, the biggest risk of that is like a lot of people, especially our culture, our generation, you know, I hear a lot of folks say, ah, oh, well, you know, I don't want to invest because of X, Y, Z reason or, oh, I don't want to do a budget because it feels restrictive or, yeah. oh, you know, my parents had a bad experience with the market, so I'm scared to get in or yeah. whatever the reason may be. Right. If you're not being intentional and proactive to not spend all your money, then you most likely are not going to be prepared for the future. Right. Well, yeah. And and there, well, you can't. And well, it sounds so simple, right? Well, but, it does. I <laughs> but the prevailing thought. Sitting here in this ivory castle. What do they call that? Right. Ivory, ivory tower. tower. Yeah. Right. Talking about it. Yeah, of course. It right. seems so simple. Right. And and that's a whole other thing we can talk about of, you know, simple versus hard versus easy, that kind of stuff. Yeah, but, your heart. but but in terms of, you know, the, the burn rate, right, is you have to understand that your income is your most powerful wealth building tool. Okay. Your income is what you're bringing in, right? Now, if you choose to, you know, spend it all and use it for, you know, experiences or buying things that dwindle and fade and rust over time, that kind of stuff, then you're not you're not necessarily going to be able to continue doing that as you get older, right? right. If and, th- and this all goes back to everyone's personal situation is different, their mm-hmm. desires are different, but if your focus is you want to be able to take a step back from work, make work optional, you want to, quote, retire down the road, okay. right? Then you have to make sure you're allocating some of your income and some of your resources towards those opportunities. And for us, the, the way we primarily look at that is through saving and investing, right? You have to allocate some of your income towards things that will help produce or grow your wealth right. net worth because over a common time. thing I hear being said is like very rarely is someone okay with their standard of living going down in retirement. Oh, I've had those conversations too many times. Right. Right. And but if you're not setting something aside, essentially you are saying that's what I'm going to be doing because yeah. that's what you're choosing, whether you know it or not. Right. And, and you know, the old adage of if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Oh, right? Right, right. And that's not to say there's not scenarios where people, you know, hit it big or get lucky, those kind of things. Right. We see those yeah. you know, occasionally. Um, but the reality is, like, for most people, we have to be diligent of understanding, are we adequately preparing for the future? Right. And I would say most people today, from my experience of having a lot of conversations, is they're not adequately preparing. Right. So we want to help people change that. And, and I think that is a good lead into the third metric. I was going to say, I know we've talked about, just to recap, we've got yep. net worth, yep. we've got burn rate. Burn rate. And then what's the last one is the opposite of burn rate, which is your savings rate. Okay. So, or the complement, we'll say. The thing like, that you want to make sure that I'm doing. The thing that we want to encourage people wink, are wink. doing. <laughs> right, so exactly. So, so savings rate is how much of our income we're actually allocating towards wealth-producing activities. And I'm assuming, is it like there are... 
I keep, there's so many different numbers out there. Mm-hmm. You should about this much of your uh, income right. should be going to retirement. What what does that look like? Is that different for everybody? So, I'm assuming most likely it is, since that's normally your answer. Yeah. So so okay. case by case for compliance. Um, you know, you have to evaluate everyone's individual situation and and make determinations of, you know, what is the right amount or, or what could be. Uh, an opportunity to help people prepare for the future. Okay. But there are some benchmarks out there, okay. right? And, and I would say that these benchmarks are becoming more and more standardized, even including some legislation that was passed at the end of 2022 with Secure Act 2.0. Um, the the government, Congress, has actually mandated that certain small businesses, if you have so many employees or more, you now have to require or you have to – you now have to offer, excuse me, a retirement plan for your employees, and there has to be mandated, standardized, minimum automatic contribution rates or, or like participation rates. On the side rates. of the employer or the side of the employee? The employee. Well, okay. So, in, so for the past 10 to 15 years, we've seen that as like an offering that has like new retirement plans have just kind of been adding in like, oh, you start with our company, we'll put you in at 3%, right? 3% contributions into a 401k, things like that. So there's – But now there's legal backing for that. So, and it's all stuff you can change if like you don't want to do it or you want to increase it or decrease it, but there's a lot of push to make these things. But it's defaulted as, we're going to try and help you save some money. Right. Isn't that funny? Isn't that interesting? Like, and and again, this is more of like a cigar and bourbon kind of conversation of, uh, you know, thinking about the philosophy of of, of how (laughs) things are changing in the government and with our, with our laws in this country. But I think it's important to note is like, there is value to this. And this goes back to a conversation we had in our episode about IRAs and the basics yeah. there, where your employer-sponsored retirement plan is not necessarily a you know a benefit out of the goodwill of your employer's heart, right? right? Um, and that's, again, a whole lot more meat on that bone we can get into. Yeah. But going back to the savings rate, there are benchmark targets. You know, One of the ones that we look at for a lot of folks is like, hey, can we get to maybe 15% of our gross income yeah. right? that we can put away towards – uh, towards retirement and saving. And whatever the target is, if it's 15%, if it's 10%, if it's 20%, 25 you know, if you're part of the FIRE community, which is the financially independent retire early community, they, sometimes oh. they say 40 to 60%, right? But ultimately, the key thing we want people to take away is you have to be doing something mm-hmm. because if you're constantly living on the edge and you have no margin in your life, you can't you can't navigate when things happen. You can't navigate when emergencies come up. If you're, you know, most Americans today, like the number changes monthly, but it keeps getting higher and higher. I think the last number I saw was 72% of Americans can't cover a $500 emergency. Like that's not a spot to be in. And that goes back to margin. So either increasing our income, reducing our expenses, allocating money to where we can be saving okay. and investing is going to be important. But I want to just add one other thing to that is, a lot of folks think, well, well, maybe 10 to 15% is, is high. Like it feels like a lot of my income. I would say no, because if you think about right. that transition into your retirement years, like if you are going to traditionally retire, say at your full retirement age, which for most people today is close to 67 or 67 years old with the Social Security Administration, um, you have to think about the fact that if you're, say you are investing or saving 15% of your income, you're living off the other 85%. Right. That means out of the other 85 okay. percent, you're paying your health insurance, you're paying your car insurance, you're paying your mortgage, you're paying food, yep. you know, payments, things like that, whatever that may be. Well, when you transition into retirement, 
right? If you've been putting away 15% of your income, you're living off of 85, that means your standard of living, like it really doesn't have to change as much. Like a very common misnomer we have conversationally with folks is, well, I make $180,000 a year. I need $180,000 a year in income and retirement. No, you don't. No, you don't, right? Not or not necessarily, right? Because if you are saving and investing, and you're, you're accounting for taxes and accumulation phase, yeah, for retirement to to distribution or decumulation, okay. right? So then there's that fifteen percent buffer where your life stays relatively relatively the same. same. It should, right? Okay, or, here's in a our question opinion, that came up. Yeah. In my mind while I was talking. So yeah. these three things that we're talking about, um, you know, people listening, they're all different types of people. People make different amounts of money. Mm-hmm. Do these three things ever change? No. If, even if you are like, I don't know, you make minimum wage or you are a million-dollar earner a year? I would say no. And and there's a lot of studies that, that have shown over the years that once your household income crosses seventy thousand dollars per year, mm-hmm. uh, s- personal satisfaction from that extra income, you know, dwindles. Um, and uh, you know, everybody makes a joke of like, well, you can have more fun with more money. I get it, right? But yeah. the reality of the studies that have been done show that for most people, when they get over seventy thousand, there's not a substantial change in in lifestyle, right? Um, so I would say if your goal like I'll go back and reframe the question, right? If your goal is to have a sustainable life, mm-hmm. right? Like to be diligent, to, to put money away so you can like make work optional down the road to where you can like focus on family, focus on your hobbies and activities, then making these three metrics a priority today is going to only help increase your opportunity for success or opportunity for better results okay. down the road. And I have to be careful about that word success because everybody defines it differently, right? Right. But thinking about what are the results you're looking for, the more intentional you can be with it, that's going to be the thing that we can use as a leverage point um, to make those things a reality, nice. right? Um, but just just in recap, so and I don't think we have to spend an hour talking about this. It's pretty straightforward. It's right. it's doing the work, right? Is number one is tracking your net worth, mm-hmm. right? Um, in the in years past, people thought the millionaire status was a you know big deal, right? And there's, I think there's hundreds of thousands of millionaires today, right? Um, the the numbers are astounding. How many people are over that threshold from a net worth perspective, right? But tracking that and understanding what are the goals you want to aim for. That's going to be important. That's something that we look at, right? Yeah. You know, when we crossed a million, that was a big deal because it was like, hey, like we're here, right? But um, understanding also what assets play in that are important. If you have a small business, there's a value to that small business. Do you want to sell it? Are you just going to shut it down down the road? Do you want to transition it? That carries value. Your home, your investments, cash, right. things like that. The burn rate, in my opinion, that's the one most people don't want to look at because it feels restrictive. But I can tell you right now with our budget, and I'd love your opinion on this. Okay. You know, I feel a lot more freedom to know where I can spend because we are saving and investing and allocating money towards other things oh, well, for yeah. our future. Well, because we have it so dialed in. Right. I know when I do or when I don't right. have the ability to do something. And and I'll just say, like to add to that, if you don't have it dialed in today, just start somewhere. Correct. Like the first thing you can do is write down your income. 
the next thing you yeah, do you're is... You're not going to get it right the first time. Oh, and it changes every and day. And it's really not supposed to be right the first time. Right. And, and anytime you have a major life change, the numbers and are going to change. it's going to change again. Right. But continuing that process right. of just doing like a check of like, hey, where am I at? Right. And, you know, I love the, the idea of tracking every dollar because that gives me personal satisfaction for the nerd in my brain. Of course. Um, but not everybody has to do that. Right. You can be more... Uh, you can make quicker progress, in my opinion. I've seen it from a lot of people. If you do track every dollar and you give every dollar a name, but if you go with zones or you look at categories, you just say this much in this category, this much in that category. If you automate your saving and investing, that's a way you can help navigate that burn rate discussion better. Great. Um, but all that said, you know, I think that those are the three things to focus on: is that net worth, the burn rate, and savings rate. And if you do those three things and you're consistent with it, tracking those, measuring them, monitoring them, from our experience, personally, and seeing hundreds of people do that, that can lead to a tremendous amount of amount of opportunity down the road. So, okay. Well, thanks for those great little bits of advice and, you know, just things to be thinking about. Um, and thank you guys for joining us again um, for this episode three. Uh, and we are looking forward to catching up with you next time. Yeah. Have a great day. Thanks so much. Discussions in this show are for entertainment and educational purposes only and should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and neither SmartPro Financial nor Bridgeway Wealth are affiliated.